this past December, um, we were able to send a few people to San Francisco uh, to work with San Francisco City Impact in the Tenderloin District of the city there. And um, Pastor Steve came back and uh, he met Roger Huang, the, the founder, and he was just blown away by his heart, his passion, his love uh, for the city and the people there. And uh, Pastor Steve thought, you know what, we've got to have him come one day and just speak to our church here and hopefully we can catch some of that passion and some of that love as well. Um, so it is with uh, just pleasure and uh, honor to, to welcome Pastor Roger. And I want to ask you guys to give a big, warm, crossway welcome to Roger Swang as he comes out to share with us today. It's good to be here. The scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that was 2,000 years ago, and today we are here, and uh, we have to ask ourselves a question. Where is the harvest? Well, there's certain things that we can see with our eyes, but there's certain things we need to see with our spirit. And the Spirit of God lives within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I was born and raised in Taipei, and up until the age of 15. And then my, my dad was working for China Airline, and, and he was transferred to San Francisco. That's how I landed in San Francisco in 1970. I was uh, 15 years of age, growing up in a very uh, abusive home, physically and verbally and emotionally. So uh, the, the, the abuse continues, and two years after we arrived here, um, at age 17, I decided I didn't want to stay home anymore. So I packed up my stuff and I left. I didn't have any place to go. I was actually homeless. And, um, but um, I, I wanted to, to get through that rough time. And the only way for me to get through that, those rough days was to uh, work hard. I've always had two jobs and uh, very driven, slept very low, and uh, very alone. I was always a loner, isolated and um, didn't want to talk to anybody um, because of the upbringing at home. And fast forward 10 years later at age 27, by this time I was working at the hotel industry as an auditor for Marriott and also uh, Holiday in Crown Plaza. And uh, I was still the same, still the same guy, very alone. And um, this, on this particular day, I was going home to take a short break between the jobs. And um, I turned the TV on. There was a TV evangelist preaching about the love of Jesus. And it was at that moment I broke. I cried for the first time for the right reason. And from that moment on, I began to chase after God. I read the word. I didn't know uh, that we needed to go to the church. My wife had gotten saved a year before through the same TV evangelist. And uh, so... So she was more of a spiritual leader leading me. I mean, she kind of promoted herself to be the Bible teacher. And I didn't know any better, so I just kind of followed her. And uh, so after a time, I decided maybe I should read the Bible by myself. I started reading it. I think I have read through the Bible probably 12 times from cover to cover. And in that, I discovered that God is alive. He's real. It's not just in the Word, but it's so alive and active 
that it still applies today. And uh, so I decided to go away on the weekends to pray and fast and to practice what I believe, to wait on God. And spend the first year pretty much just ask God to, to heal the brokenness within me, you know, give me the heart to forgive my parents and uh, restore my life, restore my, my uh, thinking process. That took a while and uh, it wasn't easy. And, but after that, I began to cry to the living God. I said, you know, I don't want to work for the rest of my life as an auditor for hotels industry. I want to do something for you. But now remember, I was just a Sunday Christian from 10 to 12. Not even the whole day, just 10 to 12. And uh, working in the hotel industry, you know, it's pretty messy, the, 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 the lifestyle. So I was kind of in and out, but more out than in. And, but as I begin to pray and fast and, and in, in those intimate moments up in the cabins, three and a half hours away from San Francisco, by myself, no inter interruption, and I fell in love with God. I fell in love with Him. I became very intimate with Him. Um, it was very uh, alive and real. And as I, as I got closer and closer to Him, I wanted to just walk away from the things of this world. You know, we live in a culture that is very um, forceful. It's telling us uh, we need uh, more education, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need more money, you know, bigger house, better car, you know, more influential friends. That's the culture that we live in. But there's another level, the freedom that God's given us in this country is to, to get closer to him. To, to get intimate with him, to be in a place where you grab hold of his living word and you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to stir in your heart. And when that moment begins to take place, there, there will be a, a transformation, but there will be a, a spiritual transformation in your life as well as in my life. Well, that happened to me. And uh, as I got closer to God and my wife, of course, she was just growing as well and we just came to a place where we decided, you know, let's just follow God. So we made up our mind to resign from our jobs. We didn't resign all three at one time, just one after another. And uh, we just walked right into the tenderloin with prayer, fasting. Every time we needed something, we pray, we fast, and God would just come through. I know it's unbelievable. I know it's, uh, it could be a fairy tale, but God provided for us in so many powerful ways. And, uh, you know, I can look back. The scripture says, when two or more get, that will gather in the name of Jesus, whatever you ask for, it will be given to you. Whatever you wish for, it will be given to you. After serving God for 32 years now, I can tell you that portion of scriptures is very true. He will give you more than you can ever imagine or ask for. And uh, one of the things that we decided in our earlier days as husband and wife is that we need to pray for the blessings of God upon our family line. When we look at both sides of our family, they were dying off. Sickness, disease, and other things that happened that came upon both of our families, they were actually decreasing. And I remember in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, you know, today we have preachers, people out there talking about prosperity, prosperity message. 
And that's one camp. And the other camp will say, well, I don't believe in prosperity. Well, you know what? Neither camps are correct. God's word is the correct one. Go to the book of Deuteronomy. Prosperity, the word itself is in there. It says that if you stay close to God, he will prosper you. Not to chase after prosperity. So when we came to know the Lord, we, went, we didn't ask for material stuff. We realized we had a problem on both sides of the family. We began to pray. And we fasted for our family, our marriage. And uh, 38 years later, we have uh, four kids, four in-laws, and 18 grandkids. Now, I just did a little bit of uh, calculation that I think the next generation will probably go over 100 in our family line. So God is in the business of restoring us. In this culture, we live for the moment. You know, what's best for me for right now? How can I make myself better? But we forget that there's another generation coming, back, coming on. We have to leave a legacy behind. And the only way to do that is you get hold of God. You find out what is in his mind, what is pleasing to him. We arrive here Friday, and I had opportunity to uh, go to uh, my friend uh, Terry Lou. He sits in the front row. Uh, his favorite restaurant is Sam Wu. So, uh, so I went there uh, and spent 45 minutes with a friend. Um, he's, uh, he brought another, another friend of his, the attorney of Steven Spielberg. So I, get, I got a chance to, to, to talk to him for 45 minutes. Mostly I was just listening to his life and uh, what God has done, even though he's not a believer. But in that, the Holy Spirit said, now you know him, now you know his name, now you know his condition, you are responsible to pray for him because you have the Spirit of God. So that became my harvest field. It's my responsibility. I know I have a work to do in, in the city of San Francisco, but here is another soul in front of me. So I got his information, and I will be praying, and I have been praying for him. And then on Saturday, which was last night, uh, we went to, uh, once again, Terry Lou's uh, favorite restaurant, Sam Wu, and um, with another family, and they brought another, uh, in this family, the husband came. And as I was sitting next to him, listening to the story, I couldn't believe it. He came from China, the poorest village in China. I know there are many poorest, uh, poor villages in China, but he said that he didn't have anything uh, in his family. He was always hungry, and his dad told him, listen, you don't want to be hungry, then go and get education. Unbelievable. He got a full scholarship, went to France, and he accomplished what he needed to accomplish, came back to Irvine, and became one of the most successful Asian businessmen in this area. He was telling me about his company and all that. As I was listening to the story, I said to myself, I said, my goodness, what are the chances of me sitting next to someone like that? Why? Only one reason. That God wants me to travail for his soul. And as I continued to listen to the story, and I realized that his wife came to know the Lord in the last three years. Both of his kids came to know the Lord in the last three years. 
What's left is him. All we have to do is to pray. So right there in the same restaurant, we pray over him three times. Over lobster, over fish, over all the good dishes. Because that was more important. And it's just unbelievable. And he was willing. He, was, he said, pray for me. I said, sir, do you know who you are? I mean, I know he's very intelligent. That's not where I'm going. I'm saying, do you know who you are? God has placed you in the most strategic business world. All you have to do is just take a step forward. Allow God to come into your life. And you will influence thousands of businessmen and lead them to the Lord. I said, because your world I can't get to. I'm stuck in, in the city. But where you are, God wants to use you. I said, do you believe that? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, then let's pray. So the last prayer, we laid hands on him. It was just, we just prayed over him, uh, call on God to show grace and mercy over his life. Why? Because that was the harvest field that God put in front of me. So I want us to walk away today and just be sensitive to, to what God wants you to do. I know it's hard. We live in a culture where everything, uh, you know, is provided for us. Really, we don't really have to work that hard to get the stuff that we need. But take yourself to a different level. And as we begin to get closer and closer to God, and uh, I ask God, I say, you know, I, I want to, I really want to, I want to just quit everything. I just want to follow you. So he gave me an, an opportunity. One day, as I, got, as I got stuck in the, in, the, in the city of San Francisco, I saw a young kid got harassed by a bunch of older kids. And it was at that moment, God spoke to me. He said, what if that was your son? Would you have helped him? I said, well, of course. I would have jumped out of my car to help him. And he said, well, for me, they're all the same. And that particular night, when I went home, I told my wife what happened. We cried, we prayed. The following day, we made 50 sandwiches. I brought them to the Tenderloin, and that was 30 years ago. I never stopped. God wants to do the same thing in your life. Now, fast forward 30 years later, Rebecca is going to be coming up to share with you uh, the, the DVD and also the story, some of the, the stories that, uh, to share with you what's going on uh, in the Tenderloin, in the city of San Francisco. But God is faithful. When I look back, has nothing to do with me. I just show up, and he does everything. I call myself spiritual bellhop. I just open the door, and he sends people in to, to help us. Now, fast forward to this particular day. Um, by this time, we were in the inner city for, I guess, about 10 years. I'm not really sure the exact time. We were just knocking on doors in these high-rise buildings, talking to people about God, uh, Tell them about Jesus, the salvation, pray for quite a few people. But then eventually there came a time we realized we needed um, a building. It just so happened there was a four-story building that came up on Jones. Right there. It says for sale. So I called the broker. Now remember, we didn't have any jobs. All we Whenever we needed something, we just pray and fast, and God would provide, and God provided. So I called the broker. I told him I was interested in getting this building, and it was on the market for $1.2 million right there. 
on Jones, 200 block. And um, she asked me about my, you know, financial uh, situation. And he, when I told him I didn't have anything, he couldn't believe it. And, but I was telling him, I said, but don't worry, God will provide. And uh, he was very confused. Somehow at the end of that meeting, we both signed the paper. <laughs> and, and I went back and I told my wife, I said, hey, you know what? We signed the paper. Uh, I told them that we're going to get this building. It's $1.2 million. She said, Roger, there's only way, there's only way out. Only one way out of this is that we're going to need to pray and fast. So we prayed and fasted for 40 days. Both of us, we fasted for 40 days. I'm not kidding. On the 40th day, the day after, some ladies, Asian ladies, came all the way down from the other side of the Knob Hill. They found me right there on Nettie Street, just right there in the tunnel. And they grabbed me and they said, are you the one that's trying to get that building for Jesus? I have never met them. I said, yeah, I am. They said, well, we believe in you. We have been praying for 25 years or more. A pack of us, like 40, 50 of us, praying that God will send someone to the Tenderloin. And when we heard about you, we said, that is from God. So here we are. And they started writing personal checks, 15,000, 10,000, 5,000. And during the midst of that uh, miraculous meeting, one of the ladies said, would you please come to my house? My husband would like to talk to you. So the following day, I went to her home. It's in Sunset District on the other side of the Golden Gate Park, three-story home. I walk into the second floor in the living room. He was sitting right there in the middle of the living room. He didn't get up. He said, would you come closer to me? I'd like to grab, I want to grab your hand. So as I got closer, I grabbed his hand and I realized he was blind. And he said, you know, years ago I made a lot of money in Hong Kong. But God told me to put it away. And one day he was going to ask me to release it. When I heard about you through the prayer meeting of these ladies, the Holy Spirit said to me, that's the man. Release the money to him. So he grabbed my hand and he said, are you the man? And I told him, I am the man. <laughs> and he said, okay. He told his wife, he said, go and get the stuff. She gets up, goes behind this curtain, and then comes back out and handed me a bag of gold coins. So with those personal checks, a bag of gold coins, and I was ready to buy this building, and a pastor called from Santa Cruz. Again, I didn't know him. He said, you know, we sold some homes behind our church, and we heard about you. We want to give 10% of the proceeds to you, and it's about $100,000. He said, well, we can send it to you, or you can come and pick it up. I said, hold the check. I'm coming. Pick up the check, the gold coins, and all the personal checks. By then, the value, the sale value of that building dropped from $1.2 million to $660,000, 50%, 1997. So we got the building. Two years ago, we had our praise close to $7 million. But I'm not here to give you real estate costs. I'm here to tell you that God can do anything out of that building 
we have done so many other things. And uh, I just want us to, to be free and trust God. Be open. Be willing. 1 John 3.16, it talks about what is love. The love of God is that we are to be ready to act upon anytime. You see someone in need, go and help them. If you have the financial ability, go and help that person. Because if you give, God will give back to you. I have seen God just being, has been so generous. Every time when I give something out, whether it's personally or ministry-wise, he, he just gives even more. And uh, there's no way we can ever outgive God. So be willing. Trust God. Have the intimacy. Spend some intimate time with him. You'll find yourself at a different place. I'm going to show you a quick DVD, and um, Rebecca will come up. The Tenderloin District is 300 times more crowded than the rest of San Francisco, and in less than one square mile, it contains 37,000 residents living in 586 low-income apartment buildings. 26% of the residents live below the poverty line, and this results in the highest crime rate of any area in San Francisco, averaging three major crimes per hour. In addition to the residents, the city's 6,000 homeless come through the Tenderloin daily. Who will intervene on behalf of the people in the inner city of San Francisco? As City Impact, we realize it takes three types of work to revive this community. Relief for those who are in urgent need, rehabilitation for those wanting a way out, and development to help make sure the vicious cycles of poverty and despair are not repeated. That is why City Impact has multiple departments to help holistically revitalize the inner city of San Francisco. Our rescue mission is a place where a homeless person can show up, receive a hot meal, free medical and dental care, social services, and a message of hope. We serve over 100,000 meals each year. Our food bank delivers 3,200 boxes of fresh organic produce for residents who are shut in, and we see 350 patients each month in our health and wellness center. In 1997, we started the San Francisco City Academy. We were the first school in the Tenderloin District to give children easy access to education and the opportunity to go to college and break the cycle of poverty. These children can now walk to a school across the street from a police station, into classrooms where teachers have prepared and prayed for their students each day, and receive personal tutoring and a self-paced curriculum to help each student individually. Thousands of people in the Tenderloin are alone. The true reflection of the community isn't what is happening on the street corners, but what is happening behind closed doors. With our initiative, Adopt a Building, our vision is to adopt every building in the Tenderloin. And since we launched, we've made many friends with people who are isolated, from the elderly families to the mentally ill. We've knocked on their doors, gotten to know them, met their tangible needs, and prayed and shared the gospel with each one. Our volunteer center is a training ground to equip and mobilize volunteers to serve people. Our vision is for volunteers to experience God working in and through them, for it is by self-forgetting that one will find themselves. We host short-term mission teams from across the U.S., long-term interns, and local weekly volunteers. 
City Impact's rehabilitation program is a newer venture to truly deal with the addiction problems in the community. Work is a place where we derive so much of our purpose, a community that we are accountable to, and is critical for successful rehab programs. That is why we are developing social enterprises at City Impact to create job opportunities for this new rehabilitation program. Sober living and work therapy must go hand in hand. So many of the root issues in people's lives are things that only God can heal, and our community church helps the people in the Tenderline find a place of refuge spiritually, to seek God and find a family that will love and care for them. At the end of the day, City Impact is not just about social justice. What we want more than anything is spiritual justice, God redeeming this community through us. If we don't go, who will? Good morning, guys. Uh, my name is Rebecca, and I've been at City Impact for the past two years. Uh, but believe it or not, I actually grew up in uh, this kind of community. I am from, I'm originally from Cerritos, and I went to Whitney High School, and um, all of my friends were Korean in Whitney High School, and I was like that token Chinese girl in all the groups. And I know this is like a multicultural church, but I can, I think it's safe to assume there are a lot of Koreans in this crowd. Um, but it's really cool just to see uh, a church like this. And, um, you know, growing up, I would always be invited to like the Korean lock-ins and rallies and stuff. And I remember the pastors would always say jokes that I wouldn't get, but I would still laugh because all my Korean friends were laughing. And uh, I just felt really like family, you know, united. And I think I figured out why you guys are, are, the Koreans are so united, and it's probably because you guys have the secret weapon. It's called all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Honestly, like, you guys, uh, when we eat Korean barbecue, it's like unlimited meat, unlimited ponchons, and uh, you just walk away full and happy. So I don't know how you can not love each other after that experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just here to share a little bit about City Impact. And if you boil down everything into one word, uh, our whole mission is to intervene. And the first friend I ever made at City Impact, her name was Stephanie. She was a 61-year-old African-American lady that lived by herself, isolated, addicted to drugs and alcohol for 40 years of her life. And I developed a relationship with her. We hung out every week. We got to eat together. Uh, she met a lot of my friends. And I considered her family. Um, a year and a half into our, our friendship, I find out uh, just last year in September that Stephanie had passed away uh, alone in her room by herself. And um, she suffered from heart failure, and, uh, and nobody was in that room when she passed. And, and uh, you know, we hear a lot of stories like this in the Tenderloin, a lot of hopelessness. And I think to myself, there has to be a more strategic way to reach this community. There just has to be. And the good news is there is. It's in the students and in the children of the Tenderloin that haven't been affected by the addictions of alcohol and drugs yet. And you know, our school, San Francisco City Academy, the one you saw in the video, we are a kindergarten uh, through eighth grade private Christian school, the only Christian school in the inner city of San Francisco. And uh, I'm gonna tell you just one quick story about uh, one of the kids and then I'll close, but um, he was one of the worst kids we ever had in our school. Um, he would flip over desks in the middle of a lesson. He would threaten to stab a teacher with a pencil. He even brought a knife to school. And this kid was only nine years old in third grade. And you know, the principal began to think maybe we should expel this kid because it's to the detriment of the students and the teachers and it just wasn't uh, working out for us. And we began to think, yeah, we should just get rid of this kid, have him go to a different program. And then one day in the middle of class, he breaks down and starts to sob and cry. And the teacher put her arm over him and said, tell me what's wrong. Can you just tell me 
what's bugging you? And, and this little nine-year-old boy said, every night when I go home, my mom's boyfriend takes advantage of me. And he does this, this, and this to me. And, and this kid is only nine years old in third grade, has to go through this every single night. And our staff said, this cannot happen. Our whole mission is to intervene. We got the authorities involved. We got the right people involved. And what I love most about our school is that our principal took this boy into her home and fostered him and got the help the mom needed away from this boyfriend that was using her for drugs and using the kid for prostitution and things like that. And guys, that's our reality. Uh, straight up in the middle of the inner city in San Francisco. This is the reality of our school. And, and this morning, my ask is simple. Um, I'm asking if you guys would be willing to sponsor one of these students in our school for $38 a month. And here's the crazy thing. Tomorrow, Monday, is the first day of school. And we have 25 brand new kids about to enter into our school, but we are still in need of 40 sponsors that are willing to give $38 a month. And just think about that. That's 25 new students that are going to be under the influence of Jesus Christ for eight hours a day, five days a week, that no longer have to live under that addiction and that isolation and abuse. And uh, we're going to be outside in the back table. We have uh, child profiles that you can take home. This is Harry Liu. He's a second grader in our school. Um, and it takes three minutes to sign up, but it will change a, a child's life forever. And so... Thank you guys for having us here, and uh, thank you, Pastor Sam, and just the staff here. You guys are so welcoming. God bless.